If no one sheds light on what is being done in the darkness, it will never stop. One in three girls and one in six boys are sexually abused and told to hush. Breaking the silence is the first step to healing. Healing is a lifelong journey. Find your voice. Your story matters. Pain put me into hiding. Purpose called me out. May the silence be broken. Thank you for joining us for the One Voice podcast. Our guest today is Amy Sorrells, an award-winning author of four novels, one of which, How Sweet the Sound, starts with the question of how do survivors find hope in the midst of the hard road of healing from sexual abuse. I'm Mary O'Brien, and now Nicole Braddock-Bromley. Well, Amy, it's a real joy to be able to actually speak with you. I know we've been in communication for years over email. Yeah, it is. It's really nice to to hear you in person. (laughs) And I'm just so grateful for the work you've done as a writer and a storyteller, just to bring in the issue of sexual abuse to fiction writing, to novel. And it's, it's cool to see how your book, How Sweet the Sound, has been able to wrap the story of Tamar in and then also shed light and hope onto the issue of sexual abuse in our current day society. And so I really wanted to kind of, you know, pick your brain about that. I know I was just telling Mary this morning, I get so many emails from survivors of sexual abuse who want to tell their story and they want to write and they want to put their own story out there. They want to write a book and they you know, email me all the time asking for advice on that or connections. And so I know storytelling is such a huge part of the healing process. It has been for me and writing, journaling is an enormous part for for survivors to find healing and to get their stories out there, even if it's just for them. But you've been able to do it in a way that brings a lot of people together. And I just wanted to kind of hear from you what that process was like for you and also, you know, why it matters to you. So the story of my story starts probably back in around 2004. I had uh, I had three um, sweet baby boys in rapid succession, <laughs> and then um, kind of thereafter struggled a lot with some postpartum depression, um, mm-hmm. anxiety issues, yeah. and then um, there was kind of a triggering event where um, I had like a flooding of, of memories of what happened to me when I was a child. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that kind of launched me into, um, some really intense therapy that, that lasted pretty much about 10 years. And I still go back for regular tune-ups. I I call them, Mm -hmm. um, because it, it, it is kind of the healing process from, from abuse is a lifelong endeavor as, as I think most of us know. Um, but I've always been a writer, and one of the one of the things when I was first starting into to getting therapy and and really trying to wrap my brain around what had happened to me and trying to make sense of it, um, that was probably more towards 2006. And you know, everybody was using the internet, but it still it wasn't what it was. But there were a lot of people out there starting blogs and starting um, to talk about. Um, just lots of lots of things on blogs, and I found that um, when I searched for other survivors on the internet, it was a wonderful way for me to read about people who were telling their stories mm-hmm. long before I started to tell my story. Mm, yeah, and um, and it was a safe place too to be able to to kind of work 
without mm-hmm. having to tell, you know, having to, to let anybody um, in my life know exactly what was going on aside from like my husband. So that was where it started. And then, then I, I kind of started a, a anonymous blog myself and started to, to kind of make, make friends with just other uh, survivors who were writing on the internet and dialoguing back and forth and, still didn't attach my name to anything. Um, and then I decided that I really wanted to try to, uh, to publish a book mm-hmm. and had no idea how to, how to start that process or mm-hmm. what was, what was involved in that process. Mm-hmm. So, um, did a lot of research, um, started going to writers conferences and really started to, uh, put together a nonfiction book that, uh, that told my story, but also I wanted to kind of bring in the stories of other survivors. Um, and the, the theme of it was how to find um, hope in the midst of brokenness, Mm -hmm. because I think the essence of, of what I was struggling with and what I still struggle with is that there's times that, that it still hurts a lot Um, and different things come up in my life. And, um, you know, as as my sons get to different ages, different memories will come up, and I hear ya. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a wound that just kind of the scab gets picked off every once in a while, and uh, and so it's learning how to find hope and joy, even though there's this lingering current of of achiness underneath that. Yeah, I really relate to that. I think a lot of us would totally relate to that. It's a it's a wound that is ongoing. There's always more healing, so there's hope there, but it's something we have to always be willing to look at. And things yeah. in life can trigger you that you weren't expecting, and then you have to go back to it yeah. and check back in or you know, make sure you have your safe people around you or you're doing self-care and all those things. So I'm glad to hear you say that, um, You know, because I think a lot of times – other people would look at someone who's been able to publicly write about their story and who's been, you know, an award-winning author and all of those things and think, oh, you've got it all together and it's behind you, but it's not. And I think it's really good to to hear that from you. So thanks for being so vulnerable with that, Amy. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, what are you hearing back from survivors after you released How Sweet the Sound? You know, it was written as a response to your own questions that you had for God about how he redeems pain and specifically from sexual abuse and using a story from the Bible about rape, you know, what have, what kind Mm -hmm. of feedback have you received from, from other survivors in response to being so bold with that story? Well, the, the short answer to that is, um, is I was hearing quote me too long before the me too movement. Yeah, I bet. I'm sure you can relate to that too. And so just, you know, even just a couple people saying that, whether it was on uh, when I was blogging anonymously or when I started to kind of just do some small speaking events um, in Indiana, the people who would come up to me at, afterwards and be like, me too, and this happened to me yeah. too, that really fueled my passion for making something out of my pain that would not, so so that what I went through and really what they went through um wouldn't be in vain mm-hmm. and kind of like the story of David Joseph and his brothers you know they meant it for evil but God meant it for good and so that's really what I was 
determined to do and, and still determined to do is to mm-hmm. to find the good that can come out of this. And if it's if it's helping someone um, have the courage to tell their own story, or if t- by telling my story, someone realizes, oh my gosh, this is why I've been hurting so bad, and mm-hmm. then they realize that um, you know that they. Uh, have been abused and they're not alone and can start on a healing journey too. Do you feel like you told your story in How Sweet the Sound or do you feel like, you know, it was a way for you to talk about the issue in general through another character? Like, How do you feel that went for you? Yeah, that's a good question. So I mentioned that I kind of started writing a nonfiction book when I decided I wanted to be published and Unless you're like really famous um, or you do a ton of speaking, it's really hard to get traditionally published um, as a nonfiction writer. But I knew I could write well. And even though I had just delved into creative writing, fiction writing a little bit in college, I decided, well, I'll just try. You know, I have nothing to lose. I'll just try to kind of turn my story into to a novel, into fiction. Um but I didn't know exactly how to do that. And I didn't want it to be my story, like Amy's story. Yeah. I wanted it to be to capture kind of the broad, the broad pain and the, the broad issues that survivors struggle with as they work towards hope. Yeah. And so I vividly remember sitting out on my back patio and just like my Bible on my lap and just talking to God, like, how do you want me to do this? How do you want me to do this? And I hadn't really heard much about Tamar's story, um, but I think I found it like in my Bible index or something. So I so I went back into Second Samuel chapter thirteen and read it, and it actually was nothing but frustrating to me because it talks about how Tamar was raped by her half brother, mm-hmm. um, and then her brother murders the guy, which is you know a little bit of you know kind of Game of Thrones redemption there, but yeah. um, <laughs> but. Then all it says about Tamar is that she goes and lives in obscurity, yeah. and it, it. I'm like, okay, that's not that's not what Jesus and and, and the God of the New Testament. Where's the hope in this story? Yeah, right? where's the hope in that? Mm-hmm. Like, what in the world? And I just distinctly heard, like, not in a weird way, but but I just kind of felt the Holy Spirit saying, well, how would you finish Tamar's story, mm-hmm. and how would you want her? her to um to go on from there mm-hmm. so that's that's how how sweet the sound came about and of course it's set in 1970s alabama so it's quite a different setting but mm-hmm. most of the characters are you'll you'll recognize are, are kind of parallel to those in um tamar's story and then being the the nerd that i am i i've read about every book on um sexual abuse and healing that 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 is out there mm-hmm. and yeah just put together the common themes of, you know, being afraid of, of, um, intimacy and, um, just, yeah, just the whole, the whole gamut of how, uh, of, of the healing process. Yeah. Yeah. And just wove that into all of your characters. That's, that's really brilliant and so creative, Amy. And I, I love how you've been able to do that in the form of a novel, you know, most survivors that want to do storytelling, it's specific to their story. It's nonfiction, you know, but I love how you've been able to do that in such a creative artistic way. Um, that really grabs the whole story, the whole picture of a survivor and the process of healing and finding hope. Yeah. And so, 
you've continued to write. <laughs> and so what has that looked like for you? Has that kind of just opened the door to more types of injustice in the world that you are caring about? Or, you know, how has God kind of led you into writing in new ways? Because I think, again, I think writing and journaling is such a powerful tool as we heal. And it doesn't always have to be about abuse. Yeah, exactly. Back before I I had any books published, my um, theme of my blog was Words of Hope for a Hurting World. Mm -hmm. And so... As as you go through the healing process, you, you realize, well, and as a nurse, like a bedside nurse in the hospital, mm-hmm. and there's so much brokenness in general, like sexual abuse is devastating for reasons of its own, but there's so much more brokenness. There's drug abuse, there's loss, there's death, there's pain, just, just everybody, I think, has a hurt that they carry, mm-hmm. and uh, we have two choices of what to do with that pain. We can, we can choose to kind of embrace it and figure out how to move forward and and have hope in the midst of it, or we can become bitter. And and you can kind of see that in, uh, in the characters and how sweet they sound. But, but as I tried to figure out what other books to write, um, those ideas came to me. Yeah. I got, I, I took things either from nursing or, um, just from injustices in the world that have broken my heart and then tried to have the characters work through how they found hope in the midst of that. Like my, my most recent one um, before I saw you is about a young mom in the midst of the opioid epidemic in Southern Indiana mm-hmm. where it's super, super bad. And yeah. um, it also um, is about uh, adoption and just kind of this, it, it was it was inspired by Moses's birth mom, um, Joshebed. So it's kind of a modern day retelling of that. Wow. But instead of the Pharaoh killing babies, it was, it's the opioid epidemic that's kind of the big threat. So, mm. um, so yeah, yeah, just really caring about what you're seeing in the world right now and finding parallels in scripture and stories. You know, the way that mm-hmm. the Bible has told stories is you know, amazing to look at and to find sort of parallels in today. I think that's a really powerful way to get people to think about these deeper issues. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think at the end of the day, there's a story for everyone in the Bible that can at least parallel to some extent the pain that, that they're feeling. Like, Mm -hmm. I think everybody can find something in there, a story um, either of a real person or a story that Jesus told Mm -hmm. um, that you can apply to your own life that lets us know that God gets it. Like he, he is, he never leaves us in the midst of our pain and he, he gets um, all the kinds of pain that are out there because he walked on the earth and he felt, Mm. he felt them too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So there's nothing that we'll go through in this life that Jesus has not actually experienced himself, which makes him the greatest comforter of all that, you know, he can come alongside us and all of those kinds of things. And, and we can find comfort through him. I think it's neat Mm -hmm. too, just to think about, and I was just speaking this weekend talking about the narratives that we're listening to, you know, that we can go through life and all the pain that we've gone through can create a real shame narrative, a narrative that tells us that we should remain in hiding, that our suffering, you know, causes us to lose our voice. And 
and we allow our pain and suffering to hide us for the rest of our lives. Or we can choose, you know, Christ's narrative for our life. And what does that mean? Does that mean that our suffering is going to keep us in hiding? Or does that mean that we're going to find purpose despite our suffering, despite the abuse that yeah. we went through? And to yep. to proclaim that our trauma doesn't have to disqualify us for, you know, the purpose that was put on us from the beginning. And I, I love that how your your storytelling has allowed people to even think about their own narrative. You know, am I going to grab hope and purpose and put that narrative over my life or am I going to shrink down and and just allow my my trauma to identify who I am, you know, and it doesn't have to do that. So it's really really yeah. cool and how you've allowed that even in your own life to become your own narrative. I guess another question I had for you is just for all the survivors out there that, you know, they want to tell their story and they don't know how to begin. For me, I think you're a great example of that. You began by just blogging for yourself anonymously. Is that kind of what you would say to them too? Because I think a lot of times we want to just get our story out there. So, cause we feel brave and bold and we think it's going to change the world if, if they hear our story. But a lot of times it's just for us too. And I think that needs to be the heart behind it, that God is, is working on us as we begin to understand our own story. And eventually maybe he would call us to release that to the world. But I, I do think it begins just between us and him. What do you think? Yeah. I think one of the, the hardest things for at least for me as a survivor is trust Mm -hmm. and um and it can be a terrifying thing even if you're bold in the moment that you're that you're telling your story like Mm -hmm. when I I don't speak that much but when I do I feel like I have to just kind of curl up in the fetal position at home the like two or three days after because it takes so much out of you and it just makes you feel really really raw Mm -hmm. um certainly and so I, I think the benefit of, of telling your story anonymously and then finding some groups online that are safe or even even finding groups. Um, I know like my psychiatry office, they have a survivor group of um, just specifically for sexual abuse survivors. And sometimes finding one of those safe places where mm-hmm. um, you can be nurtured while you're telling your story, at least initially, that that can can be um then then you can sort through too the the emotions that come with telling your story because there's a whole there's a whole pandora's box that gets opened <laughs> when you start telling your story yeah. uh publicly mm-hmm. some of it's not always good sometimes there's re-trauma that happens uh sure. with people who don't understand or who tell you that you shouldn't be you know it's not proper to to yeah. you know say those things or Mm -hmm. um, to talk about those things that happened in your family or Mm -hmm. sometimes you even uh, get rejection from your family. Um, And so, so yeah, finding safe and, and anonymous if you want, or just, you know, as unanonymous as you want um, so that you, you have control over how your story is told at least, at least initially. And then just praying over like, ask God, you know, say, this is, this is my loaves and fishes. <laughs> um, yeah. What do you want to do with that? How do you want to expand, expand that? Yeah. And just working your story out. I mean, it's always going to be your story. It's always going to be your truth, but the way that you want to tell it to, you know, other people in your life may be different than the way you would tell yourself your story, right? You know, you might oh, yeah. leave certain parts out when telling to certain people, 
Um, but you know your yeah. whole story. And so I think, you know, being able to write to yourself or anonymously, you know, on the internet or blogging or something like that may be the full story. But then, like you said, in safe environments, you're able to kind of work out what is what are the main pieces here and what are the ones that I'm comfortable releasing to strangers or even critics. I think that's really, really good to think about. Um, yeah. But, yeah. And would you say, I mean, I would love to hear just what you think about the power of storytelling. Um, well, I was looking, as we were talking, I was trying to find online. I, I know there's a lot of Game of Thrones fans, and actually, <laughs> I confess, I haven't even watched it um, oh, same. until last night, the season closing. No and <laughs> so wait a minute, hold <laughs> on, pause. You have not What's watched that? any Game of Thrones until the final episode last night, or you've been slowly following along and finally got to watch the finale last night. I just got to understand this in my brain. <laughs> oh, no, just the finale last night. That's all I watched. I love it. Because, <laughs> like, Nicole and I have not watched a lick of that no. show, and I'm thinking... I couldn't I even watch I the end. I would be watch... so confused. Right. How do you know what's going on? <laughs> well, I didn't, but my one of my sons was kind of trying to, to fill in Tell me what happened. In- so really, you're just being a good mom. Aww. <laughs> exactly. When you're a mama boy, sometimes you just watch all that. I, you do whatever they need in the moment. I get it. You're a good mom. Okay. All right. That's all I want to know. Carry on. <laughs> but there was a quote in, in, in it last night about how stories, um, when they were choosing the new king, how important stories are. Mm. Um, and then it made me think of in uh, uh, Lord of the Rings. Um, which I also probably wouldn't have watched if I hadn't had all boys. Um, <laughs> okay, this is sad uh, because I didn't have my son yet, and I watched all of the Lord of the Rings. So I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> Anywho, well, they, they're good, and you, do you, good. So you remember when Samwise was telling Mr. Frodo that you know that that that's how the the great stories, yeah, um, and how they impact um, generations, and then really Jesus, his choice to make an impact on people was by and large through stories. And I think that's because, well, and and that's kind of what I figured out about, or when I started to write how sweet the sound is fiction, Mm -hmm. it was a, it's a gentler way. um, And it's a really a more accessible way for people to hear truth. I think we're bombarded on things like Twitter and where people like scream at each other. But if you can sit people down and tell them a good story, um, that kind of presents all sides of things and and is engaging, then you've got people hooked. Yeah. And that's been true as long as man's been around, you know? That's so true. I just think about when people would be questioning Jesus and he'd be like, well, let me just tell you a story. Instead of answering you straight yeah. up, let me just tell you a story. <laughs> and yeah. then it's just yeah. like, oh, yeah, I really get that. Like you're really engaged and you're looking for the mm-hmm. deep message. Even if you don't realize it, even if you're just like into the characters and stuff, mm-hmm. then afterwards it's it's like, oh yeah, that's that's kind of applicable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or I can relate to this part or this character, and yeah, that's really cool. I do think the power of storytelling is something that is crucial in our culture right now. Obviously, with people sharing their own stories, um, but also just being able to step into other people's shoes you know mm-hmm. just thinking about you know racial reconciliation and you know gender bias and different things like that for us to be able to just step into someone else's shoes and think about issues at a deeper level 
of what this actually means to actual human being, you know, laws are being made or whatever, but, and we may believe a certain way, but when you hear someone's story and how that impacts their life, it changes things. Or when we can talk about whole groups of people in our world in a negative light, but then you allow one of them to be a friend to you or have lunch with you or sit across the table and enjoy coffee and hear their background, it may change your entire perspective on that whole group of people. So I think storytelling is, it is, it is crucial to our lives as followers of Jesus and how we are to engage with our culture today. For sure. Well, Amy, I thank you for telling your story and just how you have poured yourself out in these four novels that you've already written. Are you continuing to write? Yeah, I, I took about a year and a half off. I just, I just needed kind of a, a bit of a sabbatical. But Yeah, well, you're raising three boys. I'm right behind yeah. you with my three. <laughs> I know. I love that you have three boys, too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and sometimes it takes me, like, I really had to find some time to spend with God and just figure out what the next thing would be to break my heart um, mm. enough to write a novel. Um, yeah. So I've just recently been been starting another one, and I I feel really passionate about it. So we'll, we'll see what happens with it. It's kind of scary, though, to be like, God, break my heart for something. Like, no, don't break it. <laughs> but also it do so that I can yeah. do something great. <laughs> like, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because as much as the characters get worked on in my novels, I get worked on 10 times more. Oh, like he, sure. Just like you said, like, like putting myself in other people's shoes and yeah. and the characters I don't like very well. But then God's like, well, you know, these are parallel to people that, that maybe I've met in my own life. And mm. he really teaches me how to have empathy for them as well. So. Yeah. It's like, you know, a sculptor kind of chipping away at you as you work on another piece of art, right? Yep. Wow, what a cool visual. Well, thank you, Amy, for sharing today and your time. And and we're just really grateful for your story and for what you're doing with it. Yeah, I'm so grateful to spend this time with you. And (laughs) and, uh, wow, to hear your voice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, God bless you, friend. And we will keep in touch. Okay, that sounds good. I guess I better go catch up on the game of thrones season yeah really get on it girl (laughs) now after it's already i love it awesome all right amy take care you too thank you so much for listening be sure to subscribe write a review if you heard something you liked even invite others to listen so we can be on this healing journey together you can check us out on facebook or go to iamonevoice.org